Welcome to the Bar Variations Podcast. Go behind the bar with me, your host, Michelle Duvall. As I interview leaders in the industry, we'll talk about how bar impacts their lives, what's inspiring them today, and take the conversations that usually stay in the studio out into the community. Grab a seat because there's plenty of room at the bar. If you're a certified hashtag bar addict like I am, then you can definitely appreciate a bar-inspired graphic tank top or sweatshirt. Good news, for those of us who can't get enough, Bar Goods Co. will add an extra bit of fun to your workout with apparel designed for and inspired by the bar. And if you need that extra little bit of motivation to get yourself to class, then you'll be happy to know that they use only the softest fabrics available to help you express your love of bar to the world check out their go-to line of screen printed goodies included workout tops, sweatshirts, and even infant onesies for bar addicts in training. And guess what? Listeners of the Bar Variations podcast can use the code VARIATIONS25 to take 25% off their first order. That's code VARIATIONS25 in all lowercase letters. Visit bargoods.com now to start shopping. Welcome to episode 11. We've made it to the month of gratitude and thanks. And we'll be diving into how we can think beyond the bar, as well as a little beyond ourselves. Before we get into it, I want to share with you some upcoming events for bar variations. So next month, December 19th, I'll be teaching a master class with Natalie Muse of Energy Bar Body in London, England. I cannot wait for this. It's going to be so fun. She has her ballet technique on point, and I can't wait to share with this class our different styles in one hour long class. It's going to be amazing. And then the next day, December 20th, I'll be teaching the Teaching Deconstructed Workshop in London as well. So she's hosting me there, and this event is for teachers who already have a bar training that are looking for a new perspective and how to take the knowledge they already have and make it their own. So think of it as teaching essentials and so much more. Then January 19th, I'm not stopping there. We have a workshop day in DC with Jason Williams. You can check him out. He's on episode one of the podcast and Brianna Milton. We have a masterclass that we'll be teaching. We'll each be teaching a workshop. Myself, I'll be teaching a prenatal workshop for bar. Very exciting. And then we're going to be going out to a community dinner. So being able to connect after the event and really build authentic connections with each other. So look out for that. January 25th will be the last teacher training before I go on maternity leave. More about maternity leave in a moment, but the next day, January 26th, teaching deconstructed workshop. So again, I will be taking some time off. If you are interested in seeing me in person, now is the time to do it. So Again, like I said, after all of that, after January 26th, I'm going to be taking some time off for maternity leave. Oh yeah, by the way, if you didn't know, I'm pregnant. Surprise! So I know I've announced it on social media, but if you are listening to this podcast and you've not been on social media, don't worry. I'm telling you now. So I'm pregnant and I'm having a baby boy and I'm due at the end of March. And I'll be home taking care of my little one, which is why I need some time off to take care of him and, you know, get things in order for myself as well. So my feelings of gratitude 
since getting pregnant have deepened tremendously. The fertility and pregnancy journey is so different and personal for each woman that takes that path. And myself included, my line was not so straight. But I'm very thankful I have found success in getting pregnant. And early on, I experienced a miscarriage, a very early, early miscarriage after trying for almost a year and then finding out literally almost two weeks later that I was pregnant again. It was one heck of an emotional roller coaster and truly humbled by the whole process. If anybody's gone through it, I am here. I am with you. And I know my journey wasn't super, super rocky and bumpy, but I am in reverence to all of the ladies out there that have had a much rockier journey. And it may be a lesson that I continue to learn, but what I realize each day more and more is that things are truly out of my control. Something that I tried to plan and it didn't go to plan and then it's happening and I'm trying to make plans but not make plans and let go of my plans. Again, the lesson that I keep needing to learn but trying each day. So I'm currently halfway through my pregnancy, yay, and things are going well, so that's great news. And this summer was a big one, and let me tell you, my morning sickness was no joke, and I'm not proud to say, but also have way less shame about it now, that I have visited pretty much every trash can in NYC, and it was a big summer, I was traveling a lot, and so you can only imagine how much it sucked I'm not going to lie about that. It was pretty terrible. It was also a big wake-up call for me to slow down and make space for taking care of myself, not just others, so I can take care of my baby. My diet literally consisted of Cheerios and Popsicles, especially pineapple Popsicles, which I could have been seen eating throughout Central Park between sitting down, trying not to feel so nauseous, and pulling myself together. I'm happy to say I'm feeling much better in my second trimester, which a lot of people have that same experience. And it is like a light switch. One day you feel pretty awful. And the next, it's like you're not even pregnant, which is weird because I'm starting to show or I am showing. And I'm like, wait, but I feel still like myself. Very strange. <laughs> but my workouts are still happening. But you won't see me running a marathon anytime soon. Well, probably ever. And I'm working on creating more prenatal videos. Yay! That will be a part of the Barbarations video library. And then a standalone bundle that will be in addition to the bump safely at the bar. So really packaging that up and bolstering it up for you. So stay tuned for that. Heading into Thanksgiving, it is happening in a couple weeks. So this always makes me reflect on the things and people I am thankful for. And although this can be a daily activity, I especially like to highlight it during the season. If you are not in the United States and you don't celebrate Thanksgiving, well, you can still join us in this month. Thankfulness, right? We can just designate November as being a thankful month. And if it's not November, you can make it any day or month you would like. And one way I'm giving back this season is by offering you a free Bar Variations live stream class. This will be happening the day after Thanksgiving in the United States on November 29th at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It is free. The link is in the show notes to sign up. You do not need to register in order to get the link. 
or to gain access, but you do need to um, register so you can gain access to the live stream. So some people have already found this little link out. So get in there. There's no limits on how many people can participate. So join in and let's move together. Be thankful, give gratitude and honor to each other. All right, so another big event happened this month, Bar Babes Unite in Brooklyn. It just passed and wow, oh wow, guys. I'm just gonna take a deep breath because I'm recording this the day after it's over and my head is swimming, spinning, excited in the clouds, all of the things. And this event embodied the word community and the people that showed up to share their gifts and time were truly, truly inspiring. Some barbades came as a group, some came solo, and some from as far as Kansas and Costa Rica. What? And we had Cleveland. We had people from all over. And by the end of the weekend, you really couldn't tell who came in what group because everyone was mixing, mixing and mingling and making connections and networking and hanging out and truly just wanting to know about each other and about how they teach bar and how they run maybe their studios or how they run their classes. It was, I'm humbled. I'm humbled by the eagerness of everyone wanting to also build a stronger bar community. This is my vision that truly came to life this weekend through Bar Babes Unite. The biggest pain point I hear from people at events like these is that a lot of studios and teachers feel a lack of support, a lack of resources, and a lack of connection with a larger community. I cannot tell you, again, how amazing it is to be able to create space, see this vision happen, and have this come true and these needs be filled. A huge shout out to my co-hosts Shannon Warner and Nadia Murdoch. What a wonderful weekend. If you've been watching on Instagram, you can scroll back in the highlights. It was really, really great. We did some signature moves. I did a little lawnmower and a Jersey girl fist pump. It got a little silly and crazy. But I love doing and creating offerings like this because it's the exact mission I'm trying to convey with Bar Variations through this podcast, through the workshops, through the trainings, through the Facebook group, through Instagram, through everything I put out there. The message is that there's plenty of room at the bar. I cannot say it more simply than that. I cannot say to you how this event truly, truly embodied that phrase. There was plenty of room at the bar. There was plenty of room for different styles and different voices and different perspectives and different takes on the same method. That can be so different. It's so, so amazing. And the willingness to share and collaborate and create and be in the space together and go out to dinner and share our stories. It really is what it's all about for me. So, and I know a lot of you listening, it's what it's all about for you. And even just through this podcast, it's been just amazing hearing your feedback of how things like this bring us together more and more, especially if we're in a place where we don't feel supported and we feel lack. And it is my honor to offer this to you guys and also create these collaborations to invite you in. So getting to know each person and make true, authentic, 
connections is priceless and I'm truly humbled again by this weekend. Tears were shed, hearts were filled, and I look forward to future collaborations and events just like this to share with you to continue lifting each other up through our love of bar. It's not over. There's going to be more, and I hope to see more of you at future events. Check out the link in the show notes for the upcoming events and to be a part of things like this and give us a shout out over here and you know, speaking of community, we got another community question. And am I, we, I mean me, I got a community question for you. I want to know in what ways would you like to take your bar classes beyond the bar and out into the community? Share your answer with me via email at info at barvariations.com. Join the Bar Variations VIP group on Facebook to share your answer or leave me a voice message via Anchor. I'll share all the links in the show notes and look forward to hearing from you. Guys, and again, in the spirit of community, sharing, inspiration, uplifting, all of the amazing words, (laughs) stay tuned up next for my interview with Sophie Calvera from Bar Brunch Club. Another amazing event out there bringing bar babes together in community to share our love of what we do. Enjoy. Are you a bar addict, a social butterfly, or just getting started in bar fitness? Do you want to feel good and look good during your sweat session? If the answer is yes, you must visit fitforbar.com and shop their exclusive activewear and athleisure styles designed for your bar workout and beyond. From hats to bar socks and everything in between, each piece from this female-owned boutique has been bar-tested and approved from the best in the business. And with free domestic shipping, easy returns, and a buy-now-pay-later option, fitforbar.com provides an online shopping experience fit for a bar queen. So go ahead and treat yourself to some new apparel from fitforbar.com. You deserve it. Happy shopping. Hi, listeners. Thank you for joining. And I'm here today. Oh, actually, before I start, how do you say your yeah. last name, Sophie? Oh, Calvert. Calvert. Okay. Because I wasn't yeah. sure if it was like a friend. Anyways, you never know. Yeah, how yeah. To- <laughs> People mistake it French. I'll take it, boys. Uh, no, it's, it's Calvert. <laughs> okay, perfect. Hi, listeners. Thank you for joining. And I'm here today with Sophie Calvert. Sophie has been teaching group fitness and personal training for six years, but Barr became her savior close to three years ago after tearing her ACL in a ski accident. With 18 years of dance experience, Barr felt like second nature, and it was one of the few workouts which she could do during her recovery. It was low impact, but worked at strengthening all the muscles around her knee at the same time, helped keep her body trim and toned. Since her introduction to bar, Sophie teaches her own private bar and Pilates classes, and she works at Equinox at West Coast Bar, oh, sorry, excuse me, as a West Coast Bar presenter, in addition to teaching classes at the Vancouver Club. Sophie is also the mastermind and founder of Bar Brunch Club. These events take place in beautiful venues in and around Vancouver, where you will take a 60-minute bar class, followed by a nourishing brunch and an inspirational Q&A with a keynote speaker. Welcome, Sophie, and thank you for joining me today. Oh, you're welcome, Michelle, and uh, thank you so much for having me. Very excited. Amazing. So we were connected through Instagram and also through one of my favorite bar babes who her and I go back to the very beginning of us launching our Instagram accounts, Lena Alvarez of the Bar Jar. So Mm -hmm. I, yeah, thank you for coming 
in on this today and sharing your story with all of us and joining in on this little podcast. No, honestly, it's, it's such a pleasure. So thank you for having me. Amazing. So I want to get started from the very beginning, Sophie. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Just the beginning of your movement journey. So if you could kind of take us back to the start of when you started maybe exercise or just movement as a kid, um, that would be great. So we can start there. Oh, wow. Way back. Way back. Um, yeah, way back. <laughs> I actually, I guess movement, I can't really remember. But when I was three, I started ballet classes. And obviously, that wasn't a choice of mine, I guess, at that age. Um, but my um, my mom sent me uh, to ballet classes, as most parents do. Um, but then as I got older, and when I was like 10 or 11, and she's like, do you want to carry on with this? Or would you like to try something else? I was like, no, dancing's my thing. Um, and I used to love it. So all through high school, which is... Um, in England, that's from like 11 till 16. I'd go dancing three to four nights a week after school and have classes in ballet, tap, modern and jazz. So I always grew up being fairly active in the dance field. And then my love for like fitness and and group fitness came like shortly after. As soon as I could get a membership for the gym, it was something that I was like really, really keen to do. Um, I just... Not necessarily from an aspect of needing to lose weight. I just loved fitness or what I could see of fitness classes. So I got my membership and then I began to take group classes from the age of 16 and probably would go about four or five times a week. And that's where the the movement journey began and really began to took off into fitness. Do you remember any of those classes that you took as a 16-year-old? Like I remember in high school taking step aerobics and just absolutely loving the silliness and complication of it all <laughs> I was like, oh, that, yeah. and as a and, dancer too it's hard and but yeah so is there a class that um kind of pops out that's maybe not so trendy nowadays or one that maybe is kind of tried and true that you used to take yeah no it was one which became popular when I was about 18 and it's still pretty popular now I think and we don't really have much Vancouver but Les Mills mm-hmm. um, so their classes body pump um, and body attack body attack was like my absolute favorite because um, it was a, a fitness class choreographed to the music you'd have one track per um, different movements you might have a plyometric track or you'd be like this is our cardio track this is our <laughs> lower body track and I absolutely loved it um, so Les Mills was like my jam and I'd always go I wouldn't go front center, but I'd go front right center. And I had my little spot where I went to. Um, That was my favorite. And it's still very popular. So we were talking before the podcast began um, that I have family in the UK. And um, so it's my stepsister that lives there. I call her my sister and been sisters since I was four. So it's been a while. And her mom and I were just talking about Les Mills and it's still so popular. And she, her body pump is her absolute favorite. And every time I go see her, she was always updating me on like what's happening at her gym and all of that. So I, I, I love hearing that cause it's not, it's popular here in the States, but I don't know. It's not something you might hear other places. It's like you, if you know about it, you really know about it. Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't, yeah, know- it is, it's, it's very popular in the UK and I was quite surprised when I moved here how like in Vancouver there's only one or two gyms that offer it mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't bother me because I have 
a whole other jam of things going on now that I love. But yeah, that was my, my first one. Um, I was pretty obsessed. Amazing. Amazing. And so, you know, you're in your teens and you had a ski accident. Did you always ski or were you, is that something that kind of came later? Um, I'd always skied actually um, from being about four or five. Um, but not like, I'm going to say, recreational skiing. Because um, I grew up in the UK. I only moved to Vancouver when I was 26. And I've okay. been here five years now. So our skiing was like, when you live in England, you might go skiing like a week a year um, <laughs> on holiday to France or Europe. So then I learned when I was younger. And then I went most years. And then I really, you know, got more into it when I was like 17, 18. I'd try and go like one or two times a year. And then we had some indoor slopes open in the UK. So I'd practice there. But more when I moved to Canada and just having the slopes so nearby and having Whistler on your doorstep um, was I really tried to push myself more and become out of my comfort zone with a stronger skier. Yeah, it's. um, I was just in Colorado this year and it's, I'm not a skier. I grew up in New Jersey in the States and you know, it's recreational. It's like, there's a tiny, mm-hmm. tiny little hill of a mountain. And I tried snowboarding as a kid and I was horrible. I think I hurt a lot of people like plowing down that mountain. <laughs> I definitely met my, one of my best friends that way. I literally ran right into her and I was like, Oh, hi. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, <that's> <laughs> and, yeah. It, came, it ended up good. But, um, when I was out in Colorado, it, it's a lifestyle. You just pack your skis and go and you're just in nature and moving all the time. Doesn't matter if there's snow or no snow or rain or shine, you're always moving. And I, I love that. And, um, maybe you can speak a little bit more to that, like being in Vancouver, like what kind of lifestyle is that or what change was that for you? Um, it's for me, I'd always lived quite an active lifestyle. To and from work in the UK, mm. and we lived close to a place called the Lake District. And I mean, when I say close, like an hour drive. So my family was quite into hiking as well. Um, but then actually coming to Vancouver and just having all that so close to you. So in the city, straight away, the first thing I bought after a week of being here, I bought myself a bike, and I was like, I can do this. I can. It was like, are you not scared of the roads? And I'm like, no. Um, some like there's bike lanes, but some people are hesitant to ride. But I'm just very like, I'll get on my bike and ride there. But we just we're so lucky to have so many mountains around us. So in the winter they get the snow for the um, for skiing. In the summer the hiking is glorious. So literally most weekends, I guess now sometimes work gets a bit busy. So every other weekend. My boyfriend and I, my friends and I will try and do something active. And I think as well, as you get older, you become more aware of, you know, how lucky we are and like, or how lucky I am to live somewhere like this. Mm-hmm. And rather than being now like, oh, let's go out and, and have a few drinks with my friends. I mean, we'll still do that. But like, let's go on a hike together and catch up that way. Um, and it's, it's just such a nice element to have in your life because I think just being able to step away from the city and step away from your work life and put your phone away. Just kind of be with your friends, be with the people you care about and move your body. It's, it's just very good for the soul. And, and yeah. Yeah. And outside of a structured class too, I mean, even just getting out of the studio and 
Oh, yeah. Be able to use the skills that you learn. You're building strength so you can live healthy and happy in your everyday life. And it just puts your kind of like your studio skills to test when you're outside. And I lived in California for a little bit and hiking was a very big part of my daily, weekly routine. And it was just nice to be able to park the car and go for a hike, get back in and then go about my day. It was just so integrated. And now living in New York and I've lived here before I always grew up around here, um, walking is a part of my life here, but you have to like make that effort to like climb those stairs instead of Mm -hmm. taking the elevator or, you know, maybe don't take the subway all the way. Or if you're close to the park, take a lap. And it is a little bit more difficult to have that nature aspect in a city kind of life or a driving culture life. Maybe you're just in a suburb and there's nowhere to hike or there's nowhere to walk or, you know, so it's, um, it's good to take classes inside a studio, but if you're able to get out and kind of practice what you're working towards, it, it's even better. Yeah. And when you say about getting out the studio, I do completely agree as well of how being in a studio and working out maybe in a gym or in fitness classes does help with, with the hiking. Because when I, sometimes if we go in groups, and I'm like, I'm not like a, you know, a mountain goat, but have a, have a decent <laughs> pace on me. Um, and I'm always like very surprised sometimes. I'm like, oh, I, I thought people could keep up with me. And it's amazing when, you, when you're with different people who might not be in the studio or might not work out in fitness classes, um, how much of a difference going to work out in a gym or you know, in a studio makes to your everyday life. Hands down. I have a client that went away to Panama this year and she came back. She's a Pilates client of mine and they went hiking. They were on this trek basically for like two weeks. You know, she's in her mid seventies. Her whole family was there, her grandkids. So all different ages. And she said that she was the only one that could recover the fastest the next day. Just her stamina was so high that she was, you know, she was sore and she was tired, but she was able to keep her endurance going because of the work that she did in the studio beforehand. And, and this is years of now doing Pilates. I've had her as a client for three years and she's been doing Pilates for a very long time. And, um, but just taking, yeah, taking what you're learning and putting it to test, like, how is your lung capacity? How is, you know, how are those hamstrings doing? (laughs) So, and I think sometimes as, as like an instructor or people who who work out all the time and love working out, we sometimes take it, you know, for granted and don't realize until, you know, we're put in a situation where you're against other people who maybe don't do the same exercise as you. And you're just like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm really proud of myself for what I'm doing. And, and you just yes. begin to know how good that is. Totally. And I'm going to segue that right into your ski accident and, um, you know, how, you know, A, how did it happen? And B, uh, let's talk about your recovery and what was that like? Was it an easy recovery because you were already fit or was it hard to kind of pull back during that recovery um, period? Yeah, yeah, sure. Let's go in. Um, it happened. Basically, <laughs> I could not be any higher to the peak of Whistler. Um, then it ha- then like I could have been I was like literally at the top of the mountain it was a beautiful day very bad visibility though but the snow just felt good so good underneath mm. um but it was yeah it was quite hard to see 
and I had a good speed on me. I was feeling really confident. And then all of a sudden there was a massive mound of avalanche debris on the slope right in front of me. And I just saw it before it was too late to see it and like crashed straight into it and uh, tippled with my skis on and yeah my knee popped Oof. so <laughs> from there all I, and my boyfriend's like he was skiing behind me he's like wow you really have some pace on your soap I was like <laughs> yeah no um, and a part of me is like should they have gone slower um all these things went through my mind but I was like you know what I was really enjoying myself yeah. I was having the best time and it was just very unfortunate that that massive like meter high of avalanche debris happened to be on the slope and so I got and um, mm. and then after a couple of weeks we were able sorry I was in a brace right away they didn't know what it was I was just told not to wait there most probably ACL and at the time I'd just opened my own personal training company I'd left the business I currently worked for and decided it was time to go on my own and they kept being like, how's your knee? And I was just like, my job, my job. I didn't uh-huh. really care too much about my knee. I kept worrying about my work. Mm. But then we, I got an MRI a few months later and we found out it was an ACL tear. And my sister had done hers when she was younger and she had a horrible experience with the surgery. And by the time I met the surgeon to have it reconstructed, they gave me an option because I said, oh, well, I'm beginning to build my clientele back up again now. I'm walking again. So I'm I'm not really in a, a mental place or financial place to have an operation again because it's going to knock me back and give me a, another couple of months off work. So the surgeon gave me an option and said, if you want, you can give it a couple of years and see how you do rebuilding your strength. She's like, if your knee buckles, we'll have to operate. But if you're able to build it up and see if you're able to be functional with the exercises you want to do, um, we'll look at surgery again later down the day. And the reason like, they didn't operate on it there and then was because I don't play soccer. I don't do lots of sports where I'm pivoting all the time. Mm. Um, so they were quite happy for me to do that. And so I chose not to have the operation. And I, part of my rehab, I'd go to physio a few times a week. And I also started practicing Matt Pilates which I had been certified in for maybe like a year before, mm-hmm. but I just hadn't like got the time in my, my schedule to teach it. I was teaching a lot of cycle and a lot of hit training. So when I was at home every day, I'd, I'd get on the floor and just start doing some bridges and some core work and toe taps, anything just to build a foundation back up. And I just had to like take it back to the base level. And I really began to enjoy it and was like, oh, wow, this is, really working me and I can Mm -hmm. feel it working I can feel myself getting stronger working into my stabilizing muscles so I'd begin to do like more research on the internet and and YouTube Pilates videos and then I began to come across like more bar videos and was like ah I'd heard of bar there was a few bar studios in the city and and I'd then begin to practice bar studio and bar workouts from home and then so on and so forth. My knee became to get stronger and then the, the journey evolved from there. So now it's, it's nice and strong again. But um, I do have a dull ache, so I'm going to see a surgeon, in fact, next month. So <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, and well, I mean, I think if anybody can postpone surgery and build strength before you go into an operation you're only going to benefit from it coming out the other side. Exactly. And if you, you go in 
super weak and you can't access those muscles beforehand, how are you going to access them afterwards? I mean, mean, you absolutely will be able to use them, but it's going to take much longer. So if you're, you know, making cuts and incisions, you're cutting maybe through muscle or through, you know, you're rebuilding a tendon, um, or reattaching it. Um, just that it's, I think, I mean, this is also coming from my Pilates background as well, but like, if you can do the work beforehand to support that joint, then you don't, maybe the surgery recovery is a little bit easier. Maybe not, but it can't hurt. I I 100% agree. And, and also like, I have no regrets about not having the operation then. I was like, I wanted to build it up and I wanted to give it a go. And don't get me wrong, it's really strong now. And I think if I wanted to live the rest of my life, like kind of little like in a linear motion and um, like running and you know not being not needing to pivot that's fine or cycling because I do all that I do road biking but I I miss swimming and my breaststroke doesn't feel great and mm. I miss dancing and I still yeah. dance but I can't do the dancing that like I used to do and you know I'm like okay I've given it a couple of years and I've I've tried everything I can do most things but I don't feel super confident playing tennis and mm. um, not that I'm very good at it, but still, but still I enjoy you, to play. I enjoy if you to want to play. Yeah, look, I want. I want to. It's just I want to be able to pick up a racket and and do that and not feel that I'm putting my knee in a vulnerable position or making it worse. So right, and this is exactly why people move. You know, it's not always about getting skinny or toned or whatever. It's so you can live your life and do the activities you want to do. You want to be able to pick oh, up. Pick up and run, pick up, ride a bike or pick up and hike or do something or swim. And, and that's, yeah. you know, that's kind of the point. And I'm sure like you're a great testimonial to your clients of like, you know, you can't guarantee that you're ever going to be a injury free or you're never going to have pain, but being able to have movement and exercise a part of your routine in order to stay you know, strong and healthy. So when these moments do come up, because they might, they probably will, most likely something's going to come up that you can move through that and with confidence. And if your decision to go into surgery is not out of fear, it's out of a, you know, a very well thought out process of decision making. Yeah, Like completely. And you you never know something, you might just slip off a curb or walk, roll your ankle and you're like, oh, and I think like those people who, who have an exercise background, who are strong, will recover, you know, quicker from it. And also have that, you know, mental aspect of one of the amazing things sorry, I find exercise is, is the way it makes me feel mentally. Mm. It makes me feel very strong and very like I can achieve a lot of things. And, and yeah, I, I think once we have that in us it helps you in everything. It does. And and it's such a metaphor for the rest of your life. You know, if this one hour a week is the time to kind of tap into that mind and body connection, you know, whether it's you're meditating through the workout or you're getting motivated and you're inspired, that just feeds into your everyday life. So when stuff happens, when accidents happen, you can face them with a little bit more, um, I don't know, strength and Clarity, yeah. clarity and not that it's not horrible in the moment <laughs> yeah and um I've never had to go through surgery myself but I've been in two car accidents and oh. I am both head-on collisions one as a passenger one as a driver and um 
not, not fast, fast. Yeah. Anyways, they were head on and having movement in my life and having my body have being strong beforehand, I completely credit to my recovery. And it was more for me, the mental, I had to keep moving in order to like, not have the trauma stay inside me and that fear mm-hmm. stay inside me. You know, if some people have accidents, they tear their ACL like you did and maybe they never ski again because they're too afraid. And mm-hmm. that fear informs a lot of our pain and the decisions we make and limit, may limit our movement, may limit the activities that we do. And when, you know, the saying, I, I don't know if you can prove it, but like, you know, trauma and pain, you know, these feelings live inside your body. Yeah, no. And actually and, when you say be able to fight that fear again, I, I wanted to ski again and they wouldn't let me ski the season after. And I was like, you know, what? I want to give it a go, see how it feels. It's moving away. So I, I got a custom made brace, but my, my confidence wasn't quite the same. Hmm. And I was like, I know I can do this. I know it's not going to give way and it's just something for my confidence. So um, I just had a couple of private lessons when I went back and, and just having someone next to me, uh, just ski next to me, even if I'd be skiing with my boyfriend, it's not the same. It's like, you know, you can do it so fun. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, but when you have an expert guiding you through and just building that confidence, it, I had two hours with him and I was like, I can do it again. And, and that was just me overcoming that mental aspect, just knowing that I was with someone. If anything happened, I'd be with him. Mm. And um, yeah, totally pushed me through. And and my confidence has peaked right back up. And I was like, it's so mental. It's, it is so mental. And do you find yourself as a teacher being able to pass along that kind of wisdom to your own students and classes of, you know, in, in all fears are fears. They're legitimate, legitimate fears, but they are stories that we tell ourselves. And sometimes we get clients that come in and it could be anything from, oh, well, I've never done this before, or I'm afraid it might be too hard, or I'm afraid that I have knee pain, that this is going to do worse. Like, can you talk about like what you do as a teacher to help your clients overcome their fears? Yeah. I mean, I sure hope that I um, inspire them um, and they have trusted me to overcome fears. Um, in a on a one-on-one um, basis, there I, I definitely see that with my one-on-one clients, and some of them feel very like skeptical sometimes about trying movements. Because um, some people uh, I do work through rehabilitation, but my um, most of my personal training clients come in for a general fitness. But for example, I had a lady recently who again she had just. Um, injured slightly her MCL so she wasn't feeling super stable so we were doing some balance work on the BOSU and she was like oh no no I don't feel confident Sophie I really don't so rather than like pushing people through I say okay well let's just begin balancing on a small block and I'll stand like right next to them and I'm like my hands are here so please hold on to me like I'm here to support you and lead you through so uh, once they're feeling comfortable then they're like oh oh actually it's okay I'm feeling okay. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. So then I'm like, do you want to try the BOSU today or do we leave that to next week? And they're like, oh, no, no, we'll give it a go. And then the like, same lady was able to balance on the BOSU once again. I was just there. So look, I'm standing here. My hands are here. And she's like, no, I don't need your hands this time. Um, I can do it. She's like, I can do it because I've just done that. And I think just those small steps of giving them an option, mm-hmm. but also trying to, like, I'm here for you. 
to support you if you need it and they don't have to do it rather than me telling them to do it kind of giving them that option like would you like to they're able to like mentally psych themselves up and be like okay yeah either I can or, or I can't yeah giving permission is huge I I do that a lot in my teaching and you know, it's the layering in it's, I don't always call it a modification because sometimes it's just not a modification. It's just a different mm-hmm. way of doing it. And it's just as challenging. So giving the option of, and I also, I, I say things too, like, you know, I'm not challenging you to do 10 of these. If you can get to 10, great. If you do one amazing one, awesome. <laughs> you know? And I, and so trying to get out of that, like confrontation of like, I'm telling you to do this. You have to do this. And giving, even in my group classes, giving people permission to do what I'm saying or pull back a little bit and then they can feel comfortable and build their confidence and gain trust in me as a teacher. I'm not just going to like throw things at them that are going to put them in a place of fear, which may in turn injure them. Yeah. Um, so, so it's really, and what you're saying about the words that you're using with your clients, it's it's great because your your language is the support. You know, you're not saying like, "Oh, well, I guess we can't do this now," or "Oh, come oh, on, gosh, try no. it." You know, "Oh, come on, try it," and then it's like, "Oh, like that." No, that's, that's awful. Yeah, that fear gets bigger and bigger. So it's the language we use when sometimes we might think it's motivational, right? We might think, "Oh, yeah, keep going. You got this. You got like that." Okay, great. You can definitely say those things. But also being aware of like that keep going might not be appropriate for some people. No. So throwing in a, you know, rest if you need to. Hold I, it. I think it's – oh, God, sorry. Oh, no, you're good. I was just going to say like another example would be like, okay, we're going to hold for eight counts. If you can't make it to eight, rest in child's pose. Like giving yeah. the option to come out of it. Um, and so it's not – it's not an aggressive challenge of like, oh, well, if you can't do it, you didn't get what you needed out of it. Yeah. I always like, uh, sorry, like in a group setting, mm. like in the beginning when I'm doing my introduction, I always say like, I encourage you to challenge your body, but listen to your body. And also remember that you're not the person next to you. So um, if that person next to you is going for it, you know, yeah, maybe use them for encouragement and use them for motivation, but listen and honor yourself. Um, because you only know what you can do. Maybe you ran a half marathon yesterday and that person didn't. And I don't also know what you did yesterday. Mm. So I like to like let them know that, you know, they could have already been experiencing some muscle soreness from the day before. Like who knows when they're coming into your class, what they've been doing prior to this. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Hands down. I mean, making people or giving, yeah, giving permission again to, take responsibility for their movement. I say that all the time. I don't know how you're feeling. I know how I feel in this movement and sometimes I hate it. So I do it this way or whatever, you know, you just, I don't know what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. And I always get so frustrated sometimes if I have a client that comes up to me at the end and says, Oh, this thing really hurt my back. And I'm like, Oh, yeah. I w-, and I, you know, and I'm like, Oh man, I, I hate that feeling for them. You know, I don't get frustrated where I'm like angry at them. It's more like, oh man, like you, that fear. I just like, I, I get, I get, I empathize with that. And I always let them know, like, listen, please tell me because I'm not here to yeah. 
exasperate any pain. There's ways to do things to get the same benefits without feeling this kind of strain in your body. You know, just know that I, no pain, no gain is not in my, my vocabulary as a teacher. Like I want you to gain. So let's try to yeah. move through without pain. <laughs> no, no, completely. I, I don't know. I mean, touch wood. Wait with any instructions and like who say that no pain no gain and did I'd probably have to go and say something to them I probably have to I don't know I know like, so it might be like shot. yeah remnants I don't know like 90s 80s 90s like yeah like yeah. slogans you know like the, uh, yeah. we get attached to these slogans and there's um there's definitely slogans in bar too and we can kind of get trapped behind that bar burn right like oh feel like mm-hmm feel that shape or like go into like you're burning and we, we say burn a lot in bar. That's yeah. like kind of a word that's attached to bar workouts and you know, everyone's burns a little bit different and how far do we want to be burning? Because that might be over fatiguing the muscles and overworking them to a point of strain and potential injury. So that's another word that we kind of have to like think about. Like, why are we saying that? And is it more of like an encouraging, like, Ooh, it burns. Mm-hmm. Like, or is it, uh, yeah, got it. I'm always, going. <laughs> if anything feels sharp or stabbing, I'm like, that's gone too far. Um, we don't want to be that far. Yeah. That's an amazing, amazing cue. So you had your ski accident. You were introduced to bar. When did you mm-hmm. first know you wanted to start teaching bar? Um, it was, it's probably around about three years ago, around this time, or maybe like April of 2016, um, new studios were popping up. That's where I was finding more of it on YouTube. And I just took myself to a couple of classes once I was rehabbing and I saw a studio that was hiring. Really want to work here, partly because... Um, I'd always loved to dance and I really enjoyed the workout, but my body wasn't able, I wasn't able to do all the squat jumps and all the plyometric lunges that I used to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I still wasn't at that point. So I was like, I need to be teaching something, which wasn't what I was teaching. And it just seemed like a, a natural fit. So I, for a, a job and got the part and that was kind of it. All the journey evolved from there. Amazing. And how would you describe your teaching style, you know, you have Pilates background, you have personal training background. How would you describe your bar teaching style? So my style, I would say is fun. (laughs) (laughs) Quite an upbeat style. Um, I think because I have the fitness background, I do like, I always work like many people do as well in bar with the beat of the music, but I like everything flowing fair through quick transitions, seamless transitions, one move into another I don't have too much of a, a ballet incorporation into it. I don't really say like fifth and second too much. Um, as not everyone who comes to the classes are dancers. Right. So I'll, I'll use more like arm to a T, arm overhead. I won't do too many like passes and développés. I'll try to incorporate more of a fitness element into the bar, if that makes sense definitely makes sense and it's yeah. good to it's good to know that like bar is not just for dancers and we know that as teachers and to be able to come to a meet your students where they are if they're coming in and they're most likely not dancers i would say the majority of people that are coming to class maybe had some classes when they were little but or maybe not and mm-hmm. it's not it's not a dance class and you're not teaching ballet technique and so it can be 
anything you really want it to be with the support of the bar. And because these movements, I mean, the movements are described in French, right? They're these first positions, you have your plie, yes. your devil pace, but also like a squat, they're actions. These are action yeah. words to get you to do something. So to use the English or layman's terms to get your clients moving their body in different ranges of motion, it's completely okay. You don't have to have the French terms in order to be teaching a bar class. It's already hard enough for people to pronounce bar sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bar yeah, barre or bear or like what? Always. So yeah, meeting your clients where they are with your language, this goes back to like fear and taking that out. And when you're comfortable using your words, obviously your classes are going to be comfortable. So it's great that, I mean, same with yoga, right? You don't have to use the Sanskrit words in your yoga classes. Yeah. You know, it is what, the, as long as they're moving and you're getting them to do the positions in the correct way. I think that's an amazing way to approach it, especially, I mean, you work for Equinox, that's a big gym. So you're not always getting these boutique fitness people in the, in the classes. Yeah. And then what I also like what I teach on my own and um, privately mm-hmm. is always different from what I teach at Equinox as well. Um, as in Equinox, they have their own classes, which are like signature classes to Equinox terminology I'd use in one of those classes I wouldn't use outside with my own students mm-hmm. and some things do cross over like sometimes there's no other way to describe a movement but I'm sure. very like I've been trained by equinox to keep this within equinox and there's a certain style and a certain like layout to the classes whereas when I do my own ones with like when I do summer um, bar boot camps I want to do bar brunch club I can bring as much flair and I can start wherever I want to start and sequence how I want to sequence. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's good to know that. I mean, there's different, you know, there's different avenues of teaching, right? You're either with a company or a studio and a lot of studios want you to teach a certain way. And that's very normal in this industry. And then, you know, if you have your own thing going, it's also nice to bring that out and differentiating it it's important, right? Like it's <laughs> important to like show who you are as a teacher and also support the company that you're working for. Definitely. Right? And not in, in respecting that, like kind of giving credit where credit is due. And also, I don't know, just give and yeah. it's not, as a teacher and also something different, right? Like you get to teach something different for an hour. I know I like teaching different types of classes. Like I'll teach private Pilates. I teach group Pilates. I teach the bar variations classes. I teach chair classes. So I like to mix it up because I don't love, love doing the same thing hour to hour. Um, and even when I taught dance classes, it was also another way for me to like use my brain in a different way because honestly, I've been plieing since I was three years old and I'm like, Oh my God, it's still a plie, you know, know. 30 years later. (laughs) It's nice for us to be creative with it as well. Otherwise, it can become stale for an instructor sometimes if you're just teaching the same thing all the time. Like I love, I love playing with different movements, and I literally do. Like we have a gym downstairs in our apartment building, or I'll go into the bar studio at work, and I'll just kind of, you know, give myself a workout, but just see what happens. And I'm like, ah, oh, this this works. Or oh yeah, again, watch other people's videos like you say man when I discovered you or when Lena told me about you on bar bar variations I began to follow you on Instagram I'm like oh I can take a little bit of that put that a little bit of this and absolutely and then that's why it's there I mean movement is movement 
you can't copyright movement. You can copyright your sequencing. You can copyright your method, but you can't copyright a plie, right? Mm-hmm. You, like, and a, unless you're doing a specific series and you have to do it that way every time and you go through those great lengthy efforts to <laughs> trademark that, <laughs> go for it. But you can't copyright a plank, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's there for the taking. And the more yeah. I feel like, the more I can give out, the more, the more beneficial it is for everybody because my creativity sparks even more because I have to keep that muscle working in my brain. And um, where do you draw inspiration outside of bar classes? Like outside of watching videos or maybe on YouTube or even just following other accounts, like where do you draw inspiration outside of bar that maybe, that maybe informs your bar? (laughs) Um. In a way, the music inspires me. Mm. Um, as like sometimes, say if I'm playing a certain track. Um, oh my gosh, I don't know if this is really rude, but I was playing that <laughs> the, the poem track. You know what it's like? If yeah. you're horny, and I was like, oh do like hip circles to this. That I'm really cool with that, and that was like literally the other day I was on my playlist, and I was like, oh, I'm going to do that to this because it kind of goes with the music. Um, I love it. Have fun. It. why not I, I love also, it <laughs> I go to um and I'm like oh my gosh I go to other people's fitness classes a lot so I draw inspiration from other instructors and I think that's probably one of the best learning tools as well um not necessarily about it can be one of my friends does Latin dancing so I'll sometimes go along to her classes I'll go to pump classes um, and even like some larger movements that you'll see in a fitness studio, I'm like, oh, that could become a bar movement if we made the, you know, if we made it slightly smaller. Mm. Um, and so a lot of it's just from, yeah, going to my own fitness classes and really listening to music. I love it. And I love like your sense of play and having fun with it and finding these discoveries. And I love the music and these funny words. Like I took class with Esther Fairfax, who is the daughter of um, Lottie Burke. And when you talk talk about rude language, I mean, I was like in tears laughing and, you know, I went to visit her and she's like, oh, this movement, it's called the tart and you're English. And so tart in America is not the same. And, And she goes, do you know what a tart is? And I was like, I do. And she's like, it's an American hooker here we go, ladies. And she keeps going. I was just laughing and it was funny and it broke down these barriers. And we talked about it after class of, you know, doing sometimes silly, fun, playful things to break down, you know, the walls we build up and our insecurities and being able to have fun and Mm -hmm. in turn, building that confidence and feeling good about yourself in a different way. And it, it was a nice conversation. I love that. Um, the and po- pony it, song inspired you because it's it's important it's important to yeah. have fun <laughs> it was fun and um it is and especially in, when you're teaching a bar class like people have very serious faces because it's hard work <laughs> um and you can see them breathing and sometimes they're, they're not smiling and then you do something like that you right this one's gonna make you smile and everyone smiles and you can just feel it like lift up and then they'll get back to work again yeah, yeah. but it's to have that element in a class like fitness should be enjoyable because the idea like you know is to be able to bring people back to your classes and for them to make it 
a, a part of their their life. So it shouldn't be something that we're like, oh god, it's six o'clock. Mm. It's like Thursday, six o'clock. It's spa time. It should be like, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I love it. And I want to bring us to bar brunch club. When did you first get this idea? And it sounds so much fun. So tying in your fun playfulness, bar brunch club, bar brunch, you can't get better than that. When did you first get this idea? And when was your launch of bar brunch club? So I must hand it to a friend of a friend um, called Clem Balfour, and she's in London. I think she started like close to six years ago with Yoga Brunch Club, and she now runs events from London and Bristol. Um, and I've always like followed her. She's one of my best friend's friends. Um, so I always knew about what she did. And I think it was it was last summer that I really just kind of began to follow her a little bit more on social media. And I was like, she's got something good going on here. I was like, there's, I think there's potential for Vancouver in this. But I, I hadn't yet thought about Bar Brunch Club. And then I was just going to bed one night and I was like, Bar Brunch Club. I had like a, <laughs> a it was literally like a, a light bulb moment. And, mm. and I woke up, like I, I stayed up that night and just all of a sudden I was like, I'm going to see if anyone's got it. So I just like went on the internet. This is ridiculous at like 1130. <laughs> um, and no one had the domain, and I was like, okay, that's mine. And then I got the domain on Instagram, and then I registered as a business right away. And I kind of did this all in one night. And I love uh, the it. next day, my boyfriend's like, what were you doing? And I was like, it's like, that's an amazing idea, Sophie. And I was like, I know, I know. Um, but I wanted to offer something more than just bar and brunch because people already do that. They might go for bar with their friends, then go for brunch. Right. And I was like, wouldn't it be amazing to to have the two together and then offer people something else of, of value? And I was like, I wanted to create an event. And I go to a few like entrepreneurial and businesses in the city for women where they bring in um, other business owners and they may talk about branding or talk about overcoming fear. And mm. originally I was like, oh, I think I like to bring a lot of, of speakers in to talk about entrepreneurship. And then when I mentioned it to my two best friends, this was last September, they were like, mm, yeah, that, that's a good idea, but maybe it should all be more like health and wellness. And I was like, oh, no, people know about that. But I'm like, actually, I know about that. Mm. Other people, you know, that's my profession. Other people probably want that. Um, and I just began to spread the word, put it out to a few more people. And it just got such good feedback that I was like, okay, this is going to happen. So we officially launched um, December 2018, um, and we had our first event in January. So I hired, I collaborated with a, a beautiful space and restaurant in Vancouver where we have the bar class, and then we went for the brunch and brought in a keynote speaker. And they were entrepreneurs who had just started or again in 2018, had launched a vegan cookie. And Mm. they came in to talk about the benefits of um, clean eating, plant-based diets, and then also about their journey of overcoming fear Mm. um, and and how they, you know, found that they were able to launch a product. And then the feedback was, it was really amazing. But again, to have more of the chat about like health, wellness self-care so I'm kind of going in that direction and um, we have our next event on Sunday and this time we're bringing a nutritionist in 
Um, she's like the most passionate holistic nutritionist I've ever met. Um, she's lovely. So we'll do the bar class and then we'll have our nutritionist come in and she's talking about eating to nourish your body and mindful eating. So that section lasts about 40 minutes and then we go for brunch. That so is like, epic, yes. epic. And Thank you. I love that um, story of you waking. Dreams. Oh, what's that? Sorry. I have big dreams for it. To, yes. Uh, I'm to grow and, and travel. Oh, it's starting. genius, genius idea. And I, I laughed when you said that you woke up in the middle of the night and bought the domain name. I did the exact same thing with bar variations and Oh, really? I did. And I was like, went crazy for like two nights in a row. I couldn't sleep because I'm like, I have to, I did, you know, I was involved with another company years ago and I kind of had done this before when I'm a little bit of this of what I'm doing now. But, um, you know, my husband was really the instigator of relaunching myself as my own brand. And, you know, I was thinking about it, thinking about it. And I woke up one night and I was like, this is the name bar variations. I'm like, I got, I got to buy that domain. I, and I went on Twitter. I went on every handle and got bar variations and left it there for about nine months while I finished the manual and took photo. You know, I did the whole put together mm-hmm. of the manual and I, it's, you know, like when you're on something, when you're just like launched forward and yeah, getting over that fear. And I love that your keynote speakers talking about getting over fear in order to launch a business because fear is not going to go away. And it's definitely something that tries to keep us safe and we can discern between certain things, but it is definitely something that can hold us back a lot more than it can make us question things. So yeah, learning how to deal with those fears or those stories and recognizing them is so, so important because that's really the meat of it. And then the idea or the company or the brand or whatever you want to do it then can just flow and then you are full steam ahead and you're just like, this is natural and this is right. And I'm in the right place. And, um, it sounds like that was very much the same thing as yeah, soon as it's, bar brunch it hit you. Well, it, like, it wasn't what I thought I'd end up doing. I've been working on like, like I have my own personal brand, Jane, and I've been working on trying to develop an online, um, program and recipe and meal guides which is, is still going on, but I'm like, this, there was just like a fire that ignited inside of me. And I was like, this is it. Like, and, awesome. and just the response, you, you, you know, when you know, it, it's weird. It like, is. I didn't know, know until I knew. <laughs> yeah. And I know community is something that is, you know, it's community to me is like very, very important. And when I was launching Bar Variations, it, community is like one of the very strong pillars in what I do and how to always bring back community. And, um, I know this is something that are my listeners and people that you're encountering. It's something that people are craving. And I'm just very impressed with like your outside of the box thinking. And I want to know more about why community is so important to you and kind of like what you're seeing with bar brunch club and how it's serving the community that you're in. Mm hmm. Um, I think one of the reasons I uh, really value community is because I've, I, tr- I came across the world, um, moved house just mm-hmm. on a whim, randomly with my boyfriend five years ago, and we didn't know anybody. And I kind of put myself out there and went, I actually went on to meet to make friends and attended different community events that other people were hosting. And that's really where I made, like, some of my, like, core friends now. Mm. And I just, 
I, I know the importance of have this strong community around you and it, it can make such a difference to your life like uplift you give you confidence and it's kind of like I've been part of a couple of different communities a business one and then even recently a, a fair few fitness friends have joined together and we have like a mastermind group and a I mean that's a smaller community that's more like a friendship group but right. we all do from the same principle but um I just love the idea of being around like-minded people and I, I've experienced hands-on how it can lift you up and how it can, you know, keep pushing you to achieve your goals and just be there for accountability. And I was like, I would love to be able to create a community of, of another shared interest mm. um, and, and give someone a place um, where they could come to on their own and maybe make friends uh, I think that's because I've been new to it before and, and I didn't know anybody um, and like quite a few of the people who signed up for who bought tickets this time are all coming on their own and mm-hmm. a lot of them are like oh I'm fairly new to the city this is like a really nice way to to work out and to meet people but get something else from it so I'm like ah it's oh, working it is it's working. working I am so so excited um to see where Bar Brunch Club goes and it, when Lena kind of got me you know, attuned to what you were doing, I was like, I think you were just launching. I'm like, this needs to happen everywhere. I was like, how can we get Bar Brunch Club Uh, everywhere? Because it's just, it's such an amazing idea. It's so important. And it's a way for like-minded people to come together, lift each other up, build friendships. And you're doing exactly what you did when you came to a new city and you're offering people a place, it's just really, really outstanding. And it, you know, what happens in a studio, like it's just another way to like go out go outside, bring the community that you're experiencing in a smaller arena and just broadening Mm -hmm. that and welcoming more people into it. And I just, yeah, I think that's, ah, it's just amazing. So kind. Yeah, you know, so hopefully it's... one day we'll be able, the originals will be able to come to New York. And yes. Yeah. And I mean, it just, I, what do you see? Like, what are your hopes for the future for Bar Ranch Club? So for, for this year, I've got my sights set on just growing within Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, but who knows? Like some people like maybe you should franchise it um, take it global. And I'm just like, okay. Yeah, maybe, but I'd like to, I want to start small and offer as much value as I can and, and really be true to the people who are coming to classes. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to make sure that they stay, like, my number one focus and just, I want it basically evolve organically Yeah, and, and just see where it goes. Like, I'm very much a planner as in I write myself goals and I know what I want to achieve, but I also don't know, like, what's round the corner and like what someone may offer tomorrow or you know I, I still am very like unaware of that but I'm I'm very passionate about this project and, and it's and exciting to see where it'll go that's amazing and you're on you're on the journey up you know you're just beginning and it's gonna because you're so grounded in the values of what you believe in and the community that you want to create it's it'll happen and then that's you know, not me reading a future, but it just having experienced it in the first year of my own business, being aligned with, um, 
like your real mission and your purpose and having that vision and it just, it happens. And when you said like, when you know, you know, and not that you don't hit bumps in the road, but being in that alignment allows you to flow and allows you to kind of look around and be, okay, like, do I want to do this? Do I want to keep it local? You know, you can make those decisions organically and not feel like you're just going too big before you even know what you want. And I just, yeah, Yeah. I think that's such great, um, kind of like a great insight from you to give to others. Part of me does just want to like book a massive venue and go for it. But I'm also like, just listen to what people have to say because people's feedback is so valuable and you, you learn from it. Like, yeah. So great. It's so great. So I want to do two more segments before I, I know I'm okay. taking up your time. Um, yeah. But I do this segment called Hurt at the Bar, and I do it on social media. And I want okay. to know, um, is something or what is something that you've heard said about bar that sticks with you that you know to be true or either a myth you'd like to bust? So like we were talking before, like you don't have to be a dancer to do bar. So what's yeah. one one thing that kind of sticks with you about bar in general that you know, it's either really true or is a little bit of a myth. Oh, oh my gosh. Um, I feel so on the spot. I know. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, it's okay. You know, it's good. Heard at the bar that you have to be lean and petite mm. um, to do bar because, or, or grace, or you have to have grace. That's it. Like, I think a lot of people I speak to, and this no, like no offense to the the males out there, but I try to encourage more males to come to classes, and like, but you have to be really graceful to do bar, and I'm like, no, you don't. Mm-mm. It's it's a very you know strength and, and fitness routine. You do not need to have graceful arms. I mean, it may look pretty, but right. it's not a it's not a standard. And no. that's because when I'm teaching cycle, like I'll be like, come down to my bar class. And that's one thing I've heard people say, like, you have to be, you have to have grace. Like, no, no, you don't. No, that's just stylized. Like grace is yeah. just a practiced stylization of the movement. It's nothing more than that. You can lift your arm overhead. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. have to look nice. <laughs> just lift it up. Um, amazing. That's a great one. Um, last segment for you. It's called what's in your bar. B-A-R. So right now in my bar, if I had a dream bar, it'd be stocked, <gasps> stocked with um, this water called Dirty Lemon Water. It has a collagen flavor, has a little kick of cayenne pepper, and I'm absolutely obsessed with it. And if I'm feeling a little bit more spirited in my drinks, I'm a very plain Jane, and I usually stick to a vodka soda and lime, which is so boring, but I do prefer eating my calories and desserts and not drinking them. So <laughs> my bar is usually more of a dry bar, but, um, so I want to know what's stuck okay. in your tea, coffee, juice, or spirits bar. Uh, so in my spirits bar is, um, Aperol, Aperol yes. spritz. Nice. Um, I love it. <laughs> I first got into, it was like crazy everywhere when I went skiing in Italy last year yeah. and um it was all the apre was Aperol so I I bought some back with me even though they have it at the liquor store here I was like <laughs> I have to get it at the airport um so I mean I've not really had it much over the winter it's more of a summer drink mm-hmm. and so that's my thing and actually you know what's in my fridge right now and um, they've been our sponsor for Barbara and Club, and it's lovely mm. it's called full maple mm. and it's a water which is naturally um, coming from the sap of the maple tree, oh. and yeah, it's it's so, and it's so nice. It's got a tiny bit of a sweetness to it, 
and it's full of and this isn't like a cell because I didn't even know you were going to say this um, <laughs> yes. but it's full of like natural electrolytes and it's it's low sugar as well I think it's got less sugar than coconut water but it's got um like just as many electrolytes in and it's just got a very like slight sweet taste it's really lovely oh it sounds so, good it's yeah good. that's nice I amazing it. amazing it's amazing Oh, yes, this works for me. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Sophie, for joining me today, sharing your story and your journey with all of us. Can you tell the listeners where they can find and follow you? Yes, of course. Um, so my Instagram handles are at Bar Brunch Club, and my personal brand is Sophie Jane. But it's Sophie is S-O-F-I-E underscore Jane, which is J-A-Y-N-E underscore so I mean I'm I like my name but it's still different and then the <laughs> websites are the same sophiejane.com great I will link to all of that in the show notes thank you thank you again Sophie thank you everybody for tuning in if you'd like to write into the podcast send an email to info at barvariations.com you can follow us all over social media at barvariations You can also visit the website at www.barvariations.com where you will find show notes, archive episodes, and more. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.